started when a lad of ten I told my friends I'll meet ya at Dr. Blood's revenge which was a gruesome horror feature and when I saw the awesome torture chamber in that flick I found I got a heart on while the other kids got sick I found a hobby I found a hobby out in the lobby I went insane A voice inside me Said, kid, you love it I think you're into A heavy pain By 13 years I taught my peers About bondage and submission Gave illustrated lectures On the Spanish Inquisition Some boys take dirty books to the john And give themselves a whack I did the same with lithographs Of thumbscrews and the rack At 22 the time came due To choose a life's profession I struggled hard to think of one In line with mine obsession I could have been a boxer Or a lawyer Yeah, I guess But no one causes suffering Like a licensed DDS And now my hobby Ain't just my hobby No, it's my job to make The patients shake with fear what started out as a secret pastime is now my hobby. And my career, say Oh, I love trash. Anything dirty or dingy or dusty. Anything ragged or rotten or rusty. Yes, I love trash. If you really want to see something trashy, look at this. Throw it in the trash. Throw it in the trash. Greetings, MMD. This is Jason back again for another Garbage Cast conversation. And today's topic, one of the topics that you suggested to me, is the topic of hobbies. That is right, the topic of hobbies. And uh, during the duration of the Garbage Cast conversation, I think we have touched on multiple hobbies that we have, but we've never just specifically drilled down into the hobbies themselves. We've, we've discussed them because hobbies are a part of our lives. It's a part of what makes us whole, I think. It's part of what makes us who we are. And podcasting, obviously, is a hobby for me. I'm not making money. I, you know, it's a, it's a money-losing situation when you think of the the equipment that you buy and the hosting that you spend money on and the time that you spend editing, if you're looking at it from that perspective. Now, of course, we could do podcasting in a professional manner, trying to monetize, trying to make money, but we do it to build friendships and to build community. So on this side of podcasting, it is a hobby. Now, for me and probably for many other people, we ended up in podcasting through other hobbies. It's an evolution that brings us to podcasting. Now, my earliest uh, days uh, in this you know, same sort of hobby would go all the way back to the early 80s uh, when I got my first shortwave radio, and I would listen to far-off stations. And I would also do this on AM radio. And I guess it's even before my first shortwave radio, I had a green transistor AM radio that had one earpiece. It was not stereo by any means. It was just a mono earbud, an earphone. 
And at night, I could move the dial very gently and turn the radio in certain ways to null out certain stations and listen to mostly, you know, powerhouse stations, clear channel stations in the United States, like WLS in Chicago. I remember when they played music. WABC in New York played music at one time. WNBC, which if you nulled and you had just the right radio. Now, this is when I upgraded radios to a much better radio. I was able to pick up WNBC. That's where Howard Stern was in the afternoon. WNBC. And I think Pig Vomit was the program director and all that. You can watch Private Parts. You know, that's the... Let me go into that real quick. Private Parts... If you've never seen Howard Stern's Private Parts movie, it is a fascinating radio movie. Above and beyond anything Howard Stern has ever done, it is, an, it is to me it was fascinating for just the look in the radio industry. Very few movies take you that far into what it was like to work in radio. You know, FM did to a point, even though it was basically a silly parody movie, but... You know, Private Parts, is a, it's very interesting, at least it was to me, and the book was also. So, WNBC was another station, but, you know, at night when it would come through, Howard Stern was not on. You'd hear other people. This is many, many, many years ago now. I think they have been off of music since 86, 87. I, I can't remember. It's been a long time. But, uh, so, and the reason you had to have a good radio here is because on 650 here is WSM, which is Country Music, Grand Ole Opry, a 50-kilowatt station. So you really had to have a good radio to null out WSM and to get those rare catches of WNBC. <laughs> and, you know, you would write to these radio stations. It was, it was an interactive hobby. Uh, you know, it's not just a one-sided that I'm on this end listening. You would write into the station with your reception reports. This is AM and shortwave. And they would send you back something called a QSL card. So you would have a souvenir of every station that you listened to. Sometimes it would take weeks and weeks and weeks. I would, I got one from a little, like a time station in Czechoslovakia. And it took months to get that card back. But I did get that card back it was a good catch on my Ambassador 2020 shortwave radio, which was a <laughs> – it was quite the brick of a portable radio. You still see them on eBay from time to time, also known as the Sanjian ATS-803A. I think that's the same model. But that is neither here nor there. Wouldn't it be interesting if we did something like QSL cards? You know, podcasting is kind of the same. I listen to podcasting out of that same curiosity that I listen to those AEM stations and those shortwave stations. I want to hear other voices from other places. I like podcasts where people go in and out of stores or go in and out of, you know, where I might hear a piece of a concert or I just hear the air. I hear the water going by if someone's standing by the lake or the ocean. I like being transported to other places. It's always been an attraction to me to, you know, to listen to far-off radio stations. There's just been this desire to learn about other places. Even hearing commercials from other places was always special. And so that's why I think still I, I stream a lot of radio stations on TuneIn from places that are nowhere near me because I like to hear what other people are doing. I like to hear other communities. I like to hear other local news, even though I don't know anything about anything that's going on. It's interesting. It's different. It's refreshing. It breaks the boredom of being stuck in one place. And I think podcasting is the same. So wouldn't it be great if we had a QSL card? Let's say we had a special designed garbage cast conversation postcard. And people could write in with their reception report or their comments, and they could collect 
the special edition. And, you know, every once in a while it would change. And I'm like, maybe every year we would have a different card. A lot of radio stations did that. I would have a special Radio Canada International card for, like, the Olympics. And then another special card for, you know, something else that was having, like, the station anniversary. Wouldn't that be cool if podcasts did that? Of course, then you're spending even more money. And, and the... <laughs> You know, so podcasting can it can it can turn into quite the money spending endeavor. I don't think that there's many uh, QSL cards and stuff anymore. There's just no, you know, it's it's a uh, who I don't know. They would use it to specifically see where reception was and to get real feedback on the signal. So this would be just a community builder, I guess. But how cool would it be to get like a like a smooth sailing QSL card? Wouldn't that be cool from like season two and then a special one for season three? But I don't want to put myself out there to spend any more money. (laughs) Podcasting already costs money. Hosting, time, editing, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what what a great hobby. So so listening to radio stations long distance, and I did that all the way up through the 90s, and then internet radio started taking off, and I started listening less and less and less, and I wanted to hold on to the hobby, but it sort of went away. And uh, I think it manifested itself into blogging. I've started meeting people through blogging. I met people in Canada through blogging long before podcasting. And it was interesting to me that you could connect to people. I would search on just certain things I was interested in, and I would find blogs. And there would be these blog roll sites where you could find blogs from just different locations, and you could connect with people. And they would connect back with you, and you would write back and forth in comment sections and everything else. And it was very cool to have that connection. So we go from listening long-distance radio stations to blogging. So, of course, the next step is podcasting. Now we can just easily say what we want to say, but it's not as interactive because people don't communicate back and forth through comment sections or things anymore. Every once in a while you'll get a shout-out on a different podcast, you know, that they acknowledge that they're listening back and forth if it's another personal podcast or not somebody that's trying to be all professional and monetized. So the community is still there. It's just more restrained, I guess. I miss the interaction of blogging. There was a time blogging was really fun and interesting, and it was a great community builder. And I think that once it started sliding off, uh, you know, a lot of us moved to podcasts. Look at Anthony. I mean, Love Hate Things was a blog, and sometimes he would read the blog posts that he had written verbatim into the, you know, into the microphone for a podcast. So it's, you know, that's the natural evolution, I guess, of it. But now we're seeing that same slide off that we had at the end of blogging, where I'm listening to less podcasts now than I ever have in the last probably five or six years. I'm down to such a small list now. And I I prefer listening to music more. I mean, there's a certain group of people I still want to keep in touch with and communicate with, but I don't know. It's sort of falling off for me, the listening, and I I don't know. It could be just the same thing I have with, with social media, where I just am overflowed with information, and I just know as I get older I need time to settle my brain. And I also don't want to be unhappy all the time with all the negativity a lot of the what we have in social media is rants people losing their crap but they're not really contributing to anything you know when i tweet something that does not fix anything but i think a lot of people think well i've tweeted i've facebooked those are not verbs but they might as well be they might as well be and that they've done something and that that means they don't have to do anything else you know oh i look i made a public comment 
in a cesspool of public comments that will never matter because nobody will ever see them because there's so darn many that we're all overwhelmed every day. But I've done my part. <laughs> and that's how you lose elections. So there you go. So there's your, there's your hobby, uh, podcasting. That was a lot of explanation on podcasting over nine minutes. Another hobby I've had lately is playing old video games again. Every day I find a little time to play uh, Atari in my Stella emulator. Which is interesting because I, I found an Atari the other day at Goodwill, and I almost bought it. And I thought, well, then I'd have to buy cartridges, and then I'd have to figure out how to hook this thing up to a modern TV, and then this and that, and it's so nice on my laptop. I don't have a bunch of cartridges. I don't have a bunch of hardware sitting around. I can play the games I want to play easily. Bam, they're right there. The enjoyment is still there. Uh, it's even more enjoyable because when I had my Atari, I played it on like a floor cabinet model television. So you had to sit down on the floor. And yeah, it was comfortable. You're a kid. You could do that. But, um, you know, I'm not having to hog up the whole TV. I'm not having to fool crappy controllers that are falling apart, especially now that they're 30, 35, 40 years old. Emulation for me is where it's at. I've thought about emulating other systems because they're all out there. But it's just not the same thrill as I get when I play a nice, simple Atari game. And right now, my two favorites are Mega Mania, which was an Activision, an Activision game, which is just hard as crap. I, I, it just amazes me how hard it is. And Demon Attack, which is like Mega Mania. It's not quite as hard, so it's got a little bit more replay value for me. I'm not sitting there, like, frustrated. And uh, I also have MAME, of course, and sometimes I'll play an arcade game like Galaga or something like that. But Atari is sort of my nostalgic point. It's my, you know, it's my look back, my starting point in video games that I really enjoy. Even though the first video game I ever played was like uh, Lunar Lander. Lunar Lander. I don't remember what year Lunar Lander came out, but that's the one I really remember uh, pumping money into. Lunar Lander. <laughs> it was a vector... I think an Atari Vector game. I would have to look it up. It's probably in my MAME. But that's a tough one. That is a tough one. When games were a little more mathematic. Um, and then the real game I remember really getting fired up about was Pac-Man. Just like everybody else. I had the Pac-Man fever. I'll admit it right now. And I remember where I first saw it. It was in a grocery store. And I've probably told this story before on Up in the Spring. It's called Kroger here. Uh, and it was the old Kroger in my hometown that has now been... It's now two back because they just replaced the one that I worked in. So now there's a brand new one. Well, this Kroger was the one even before the one I worked in. So it opened in 1985. So the old Kroger, they had a Pac-Man machine right up by the courtesy desk where you would buy postage stamps and all that good crap. And one day we walk in and there is a Pac-Man there. And there's like a line of people. And I stood there and watched other people play until I got my turn to put my quarter in there. probably died immediately because I'd never played it before. That was like, what, 1980? But my love of video games, bam, there it was. And um, another thing, I was talking to somebody the other night at band at our high school football game, and we were talking about our kids learning how to drive. I think I was more adept at driving because of all my hours playing pole position. Now, that's probably why I drive so fast also. And I wish there was a low high on the floor there that I could, you know, low high. That'd be awesome. But uh, the world's not like pole position. But I think that reflexes of all those driving games made it more natural. It felt more natural when I got in the car and started driving than when my kids did because they didn't have the same real thing. I mean, Mario Kart, nah, it's not really the same. You know, it was a little bit different. And I don't think they played Mario Kart near as much as I played pole position. So there is another, there's another hobby 
video games that I'm really enjoying. Old school video games. Now, we have the Wii U. I got rid of my 2DS. I got rid of all my other Nintendo stuff. The Wii U just collects dust. I think we're done with, like, console gaming. I think we're finished here in this house. Uh, that, that has just gone for all of us. So, the final hobby is reading. I've really gotten back into reading. I've been reading like crazy this year. Every time I think I'm going to take a break... I find another book immediately that I want to read. It's it, I'm really back into it. There's years that I was really hot with reading and years that I was really cold with reading. And it seemed like a few years ago I had a really good year and then some stuff happened and I got off of the reading horse. And then this year, I mean, as soon as it was really weird, as much as I'm against New Year's resolutions, I said, I'm going to resolve this year to read more books. I went out there on January the 1st and signed up for Goodreads Again, even though I'd left it for a while, I got back into the reading challenge, and I put like 20 books down. I was going to be easy on myself, and I think I'm reading book 34 or 35 right now, and I have continuously been reading. I've had a couple that have been struggles, but uh, and I had one that I quit that was just crap, <laughs> you know, and you know, life's too short to try to force yourself to read a crappy book. So uh, it, it, it's just it's just nice. I take a, my Kindle with me all over the place. If I'm waiting on the kids for something, one of their activities, I got my Kindle with me. And I find my Kindle, I'm more flexible. I like paper books. They're wonderful. But the fact that I can sit there and read my Kindle in the dark and in twilight, if, if, you know, if the sun's going down and I don't have to worry about bringing a book light or anything, and... And I can check out all these books at the library for free on through my Kindle. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So I've been I'm very happy that I have gotten back into reading. When I first got my paper white, I was into reading for eight or nine months and then I got off the reading horse. But now I am firmly planted and we are riding down the road together. Me and the horse. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. So there you go. Hobbies. Uh number one was podcasting. Number two, old video games. Number three reading. I think that is more than enough hobby talk from me. I will throw it to you, or maybe you did your segment first. I don't know, but I will hear it in the future. Hope all is well. I've either got to go read something or play a video game or oh, I'm podcasting right now. Hobby fulfilled. What do you like to do? 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 Ride a bike. Ride a bike. Watch TV. Watch TV. Draw a picture. Draw a picture. Dance. Dance. Climb a tree. Climb a tree. Speak English. Speak English. Read a book. Read a book. Swim. Swim. What do you like to do? 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 Check, check, one, two, one, two, microphone check. Hello, this is MD in the Brampton studio. And this is another garbage cast.
that should sound a lot better. Alright, so this week's garbage cast, the topic is hobbies. Obviously we've gone over uh, video games, sports, well, in quotations, because uh, I don't do many. Um, so what would hobbies entail? Well, hmm. Obviously, podcasting. Uh, that's about the only thing I have going on, except for um, trying to learn how to play a musical instrument. So, uh, I'm trying to learn how to play one of those pad instruments. I've gone over this before. I want a little bit more like, finger mobility. So, if I could do this, it'd be a great accomplishment. Um, I just don't spend enough time playing it. Um, because it also makes my hands super numb super quickly. I don't really read. You did read. That was my one of my first hobbies I could remember. Um, I used to read those Pierre Burton history novels. They were like white. They were all about like 100 pages, maybe, 150. They always took place in some Canadian event. Sorry, I'm drinking water because I don't have the fan on. Um, let's see. The first book after those because I can't remember any of the plots of those that I could remember reading and enjoying was uh, John Steinbeck two part like two different books in one um, of Mice and Men Cannery Row uh, for some reason that really struck a chord with me uh, especially the story of Lenny and of Mice and Men it, for some reason, rang as authentic. Uh, I haven't read a book in a long time. I should probably. I have a collection of John Kerouac stories I've actually started five years ago. No more that I haven't finished. I probably will eventually get to that famous last words. Um... But in terms of things, unique hobbies, I guess I do like photography now. That's an actual hobby of mine. I can't really think of, of things I spend my time on. Um, but the most unique one, I guess, is sculpture. So I can't really in an audio medium show you what I mean but I can do it with description I don't know if that counts alright so I have some monolay clay I used to make like race cars and all sorts of things I just, just it was a medium of artistic expression that I understood to, because it's very simple you just make the um, 
and shape the thing into the thing. How basic is that? So, I'm going to make a flower. That was my party trick. Um, I picked it up off a of Yan Can Cook. So basically, you flatten it down into like a... The tighter it is, the better. So like a little bit bigger than a thumbnail. But you take some modeling clay and you flatten it flat. Right? And then you roll it up. Into a burrito shape. Right? I don't know, I shouldn't be saying right after every step. And after that, you take one end and you pinch it down. It was a technique for shaping dumplings. But for some reason it made sense to me. So they're basically, you have the center of the rose, and then you have the stem, the one end that you pinched off until it's stem looking. So then you take another piece of clay, it has to be smaller, and you make it fan-shaped. So also pinched off at the end, but flat. I want to make it nice and big. Then you're going to attach it and then wrap it. And then this, the part that you pinched off, you have to blend into the rest of the flower. And it's basically cupping that center piece. And then from there, it's pretty obvious to just repeat. You'll start to see the flower shape, like form. And you just cover the rows, usually four. The hardest thing to do is to blend that pinched off piece into each other. But yeah, once you do the next two fan-shaped pieces, you got yourself a flower rose. You just make them all the time. I don't know, it's not anything I took seriously. I didn't pursue after that. My interest in it completely waned. I had other things to do. But yeah. But it's, it's a very simple. The key is to get the, the flowers to be uniform-ish. Otherwise, they're completely sloppy. But it depends on how much clay you use. I'm also doing it without much thought in how it'll look. But yeah, I'll make things out of clay.
but yeah, it's a pretty, pretty rudimentary ability now. It's not something I've kept up with. At some point, I stopped being able to visualize the things in my mind and how to shape them. So my ability just completely fell off. Um, so there's, yeah, that. But I wasn't big into music or playing music, so that wasn't... Um, reading became things that were mostly school-related. Uh, I guess hiking. I've always walked. That would be a hobby. I just couldn't think of... When someone would ask me what my hobbies was, I wouldn't really think of what... I wasn't able to conceptualize what my hobbies were, as I do now. So that's hobbies. I think I'm going to put this in the second piece after Up in the Spring. I think this is a little bit more dynamic. I think I have two more files to make uh, in these last batch of Garbage Cast conversations and then we'll start thinking about uh, new topics to cover in September. And we're almost there at the one year mark. And I'm wondering if the pressure of that gotta get to a year mandate is starting to weigh in. I don't think it's pressure. It's it's. I also get to see the amount of files that we have on the website. And that keeps me going because it's so close. We started in January now. It's September. And it's just started on a whim. I'd like to get one year of garbage cast conversations before I start thinking about the next uh, point in this podcast's evolution. So for hobbies, this is the MMD in the Brampton studio, and at the garbage cast is in the can, dump it. in the mind.